This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Welcome everybody to another edition of Forever Bristol City podcast and we're in a good mood today because the final score at Ashton Gate in front of 22,700 fans, not a bad effort considering Christmas is just around the corner. It finished City 1, Sunderland 0. I'm joined by Neil, Ian and Mark. Morning chaps, everybody uh, feeling feeling positive, yes? Yes. Yes. Feeling yeah. 10 out of 10. That yesterday, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, City's first win in five, and uh, well, certainly the second half, it was a bit like the Alamo, as I always do. Uh, come to each of you just with your summer summary thoughts, uh, in no more than 30 seconds as you walked out the ground or out the bar or whatever. You first, Ian, uh, what, 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 what's your uh, outtake from this? Three points, clean sheet, played some good football in the first half. Second half was a bit like Rourke's Drift and we were at the Zulus. Um, but we should have beaten Norwich. We didn't. We lost the game. And we could have easily lost that or drew it yesterday. Um, and we won it. So that just about sums up the championship. So let's win that. Let's try and win the game against Hull. And then we go into a very busy Christmas period with a very small squad. Yeah, I think that's it. Small squad. We talk about the subs, which had a very uh, attacking orientation to it, bar one, um, and and the keeper, obviously. Mark, your uh, your thoughts as you uh, walked away from the ground. Uh, sometimes you win games through great great play, and sometimes it's through dogged uh, dogged defence. And yesterday it was the latter. A great defensive display against the side City really want to be, who passed the ball with confidence. Great triangles, two great wide, wide players in Clark uh, and Roberts, but no cutting edge. City did the work in the first half and had to defend for virtually the whole second half. I was My mouth was absolutely bone dry by the end of that. My nerves were shredded, but I came away feeling elated because we beat in a top six side who previous two games have beaten West Brom and Leeds. So that yeah. was that was excellent. But there's lots of work to do coming up, but a great three points. Yeah, absolutely what you say there. They've beaten uh, West Brom and Leeds in their preceding two games. Away from home, not quite so good. I think it was one done, drawn three, lost three. But top six side, big support. And uh, I know they were uh, confident again <clears> something. But they weren't. Neil, your, your thoughts uh, as you walked away from Ashton Gate? Absolutely exhausted. I've been put through the ringer that second half. 
following on from what Mark's saying. I think um, back to the wall, the thing yesterday, we cut out the individual area, didn't we? Yeah. I can't think of a player that, you know, the stupid nonsense little errors that have crept in. We're resolute, determined. Max had one of those games that he can have from time to time where, you know, he some of his saves, particularly second half, fantastic. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we'll go through the stats, obviously, in due course, but ultimately, you know, there was a willingness to win there and to get over the line that was impressive from us. We threw our bodies on the line, literally, and, uh, you know, we were determined. Yeah. And it was impressive from that regard. Yeah. Ian, starting lineup, uh, he made two changes. I think uh, it was two, leaving out Andy Vyman and uh, Sam Bell. I, I welcomed the look of that side, really, to be honest. I know it's a little bit Hobson's choice or Manning's choice, really, at the moment. But uh, were you, were you, uh, were you surprised at those omissions? Or in Sam's case, we've been calling for him to have a rest. Uh, you know, it was overdue a little bit. I think Mimetti's earned his chance with some reasonable cameo performances. Um, and he was very unlucky not to score. Um, that was an excellent move where he cut in on his right foot. And he, you know, if that shot is two inches to the left, it's the inside of the post and goes in like a rocket. And that would have been great for the boys' confidence. So, no, I, I wasn't surprised. I welcomed uh, Gardner Hickman back into the side in place of Joe, who, who did well when he came on. Uh, but the, the difference between the two teams, to be honest, was their technical skills. Their movement was superb. Um, they've got some, you know, they've got some class players. I mean, Jack Clark and Roberts don't belong in the championship side, uh, but perhaps they do because they haven't been able to do it at the very top level. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was really impressed with their pace, their movement, their passing, their technical skills. And as, as Mark said, that is, I think, what Liam Manning would like to play like. Now, <clears throat> if he wants to play like that, he's going to need to bring in a few players because um, with all due deference to him, our players haven't got those skills. Well, they certainly haven't got them yet. So um, another point, uh, excellent following from Sunderland. When you consider the distance and the uh, proximity towards Christmas, I thought that was a tremendous following from him. Yeah, good. Mark, uh... Um, Ian's just said about TGH uh, coming back into the side. Uh, you look at the bench, I mean, it was what well, Williams, Cornick, Wyman Bell, Wells, Badgett, Knight the Bell, Yeboa. He's naming eight. Surely you might as well just stick a kid on to make it nine for experience if you've no intention of bringing him on, yeah? Yeah, you could do, but you could also say, what difference is it going to make? And I think that's what it is at the end of the day. We've only got nine uh, substitutes. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there was going to be ever any intention of playing Naki Wells, um, and of course, bring, bringing him on in that game later on would have been a mistake because of his defensive liabilities. He would have been expected to defend. We know he gives away a lot of fouls. Yaboa wouldn't come on, but Badgick, Knight the Bell, unless the defender's injured. So I, it doesn't really bother me. You know, I think seven subs is probably probably enough. But, yeah, I think uh, probably. I but I mean, just go, I mean, those were the two. Those were the two changes that I I wanted, and I think we we seemed close to a sort of a four four two. Um, it was it was certainly two banks of four that we played yesterday. 
But yeah. um, the other thing I'll go back to Ian said, I mean, the thing with Sunderland is every player wants the ball. That's the difference. You know, players you want the ball, pass and move. That's what you've got to do. You can, you know, come into a space, go out, go, go out of it, make, you know, make the, dif- make, make the other side work. That's what you've got to do. And that's what we, what we need from our players. If we're going to be a team like that, but I was just surprised that they didn't have any cutting edge, you know, for all of their possession, especially with Roberts in the first half when he, I mean, one where he beat Mimetti, uh, uh did Mimetti and, and Pring on the right hand side. And he played it to the back post, and Clark. It was behind him. He just hit the ball he so hard across. He couldn't, he couldn't get it out of his feet, but he, he would have had a tap in otherwise. Yeah, um, Neil. Uh, I think we've done the, the lineup, but let's talk about one clash that was there. You know, we've all said George Tanner is possibly the weakest link. Hate to pick an individual player, but yesterday, yeah, uh, hang on, I have said that. No, no, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you, but you a lot said, of people. We all said. said Right, yeah. we've all right, all right, Ian. You haven't said right, but he is right, and I think I think well, the I, I don't think, think he is. Big, no. All right, I, well, you know, I mean, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him because I'm going to say yesterday he was up against Tanner. Yesterday was up against one of the most highly rated players in the division in Jack Clark. Right, and you didn't notice him. I expected something. Roberts was a standout player for me, particularly as. Uh, as Ian said, you did say that, Ian, didn't you? That he did that amazing run and put the cross into Clark on the back post. You've got no, it. I did. You said oh, it. There you go. I, the, one thing, the one thing I'd say about Tanner, I'm not his biggest fan, I have to say. Go on record. But the one thing I'll say about Tanner is it can't be easy for him being at that club in terms of the fact that he knows that he's not the first choice. Yeah. He's had two seasons now. Last season, we bought in Wilson to replace him. Mm-hmm. This season, we bought in McCrory to replace him. He knows that basically he's not going to be first choice. When McCrory's fit, yeah. it's probably likely, I don't know what kind of player McCrory's going to be like. No. We've not seen him. No. Maybe he won't be a right back. Maybe he'll be a midfielder. Who knows the way we view McCrory. But Tanner knows that he's actually probably not our first choice. Yeah. at that so he knows at some stage he's going to have to be replaced but he gets his head down and he works and he gives 100 percent. and one thing you can say about tanner is that he never gives less than 100 percent out there mm. he always plays to the maximum of his abilities yeah there's a few times where there's a few errors and things that drive us mad but he always plays as say 100 percent. yesterday the way he played Clark yesterday, we spoke, mm. didn't we, mm. in W13, and I was like, oh, second half, Clark was. But the way they played on that shield, they made him come inside each time on the right, and either James or Knight, they just formed that block. They forced him inside on his right foot, the block was there every time. Mm. And to be fair, Clark didn't want to go outside him. No. There was a couple of times, I think, there was one time where he got outside him and Tanner did a really good, George did a very good tackle, well-timed uh, tackle for a corner. But other than that, he never went outside him. Yeah. So City really did their homework on Clark yesterday in relation to him. I think Roberts, as you say, has got a bit more to him. Yeah. I think a bit quicker with the ball. He seems to have a low centre of gravity. sort of very Clark. difficult to knock off. Banks, he looks like what Yeboa could become in yeah. the sense of that. Because he looked quite robust. I, I was surprised. It was, I thought he was maybe South American or something like that. Because he he was walking around players in a style that we're not Patricio used to. Patricio Roberto. Patricio. <laughs> but the um, uh, 
yeah, Clark was a little bit predictable in the way that he played, and I yeah. think that played to our advantage yeah. actually in the, in the way in which we were able yeah. to put the block on it. Okay, let's get into the action. Uh, Ian, we don't normally talk about uh, uh, bookings, but t- two of our players were booked within ninety second, well, within sixty seconds of coming on. Um, Tommy and uh, Joe. Let's look at those look at those two bookings, and let's pick Ian. What what did you think of the referee overall yesterday as well? Over to you. I think I mean considered it. I think he I, I think he was fair, and I think he had, he did a decent job in letting the game flow. Uh, he pretty much kept his cards in his pocket. I mean the the Tommy one. I was like most people. I was following the ball, so I didn't actually see the incident, but it looked like they actually ran into each other. I didn't. I don't think it was. You know, so people said to me, "Well, that guy ran into Tommy," and I said, "Well, I, I can't. I didn't see it." To be honest, now Joe Williams went flying into that tackle within 30 seconds of coming on the field and caught the bloke. So, you know, that's a typical, that's why I call it a, a typical Joe Williams foul. And um, I probably, I mean, I can't say Tommy's booking was deserved because I didn't see it properly. But Joe's from where I am, and it was on the other side of the pitch from me because I'm in the dolman. Um, but it looked fair enough to me. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. On, uh, on the referee, I think hmm. he gave us a penalty, which I think was right. The keeper caught um, Taylor Gardner Hickman, uh, and I think he might have turned down one for them and turned down one for us that, that I've seen given that type of thing previously. I mean, their defender wiped out Sykes in the first half and made no contact with the ball, but and Sykes got there first. Now the the ref may have thought Sykes. T- touch took him too far and the ball was back with the goalkeeper anyway so it didn't actually make any difference but the bloke wiped him out and I think Cameron Pring may I'm not, I've watched the highlights and you can't quite see but he may have caught their centre-back but I think he, he, he seemed to try and stay on his feet which would make me think that um, it wasn't a penalty but you know, if you give one, you give the other, and then it all right. It could have been two one instead of one nil. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I thought I thought the referee did okay. Yeah, Mark um, Max gave a hint of what was to come. That Alex Pritchard, who plays in midfield for them, I thought he had a touch of the Barry Bannon about him. Yeah, and um, that first chance he Max had saved from uh, defender Hume, Hume early on, but uh, he did a spectacular tip over from uh, one of Pritchard's corners, didn't he? Yeah, uh, well, I think, it, yeah, I, yeah, he did. And then there was the at the end of the first half. There was the free kick as well, wasn't there? That hit 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 the top of hit the top of the bar. Yes, it did. Uh, I mean, going back to what Ian said about, um, I think it was Dan Ballard tried to get a penalty in the second half. I think he went down in stages. I don't think that was there was really any contact there. But I think uh, I think Ballard took took Sykes out definitely. Uh, I can't understand why that wasn't a penalty. And then there was one in the second half, I think, when Sykes, might have been Ballard again, went into him on the corner of the area. Now, if there's contact, is contact. If you take a knock a player off the ball, what do we do now? Rate it? You know, gold, silver and bronze contact? You know, I think, I think the other thing, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, I think the other thing, Mark, if this was a Premier League game, you know, yeah. and if we have VAR at this level next season, there's three or four incidents that would have gone to VAR straight away and some you win, some you lose. I mean, let's come on to our pe- let's come on to our penalty, Neil, and I'll get every all of you to give your view. 
Um, Sunderland, everybody said Sunderland were knocking the ball around well. Very impressive. It was an entertaining game of football for a 1-0 win overall. But they got themselves into a little, little bit of a me- bit of a mess. And and uh, TGH from Knights Pass burst into the box. Definite penalty in your view? Yes. And I, and I don't think Patterson's a very, very good keeper. I like Patterson for, for Sunderland, good keeper. But he didn't argue it. No. And I don't think any of their players really they argued They popped it. up at the back, didn't they? Basically? They did. I mean, the, the one thing I'd say about their back line, they've got Lugnion, who isn't really a centre-back for me. He's a bit small. If you had a big physical player up against Lugnion, he would really, really struggle down there. And they've got Ballard. Ballard is a bit of an old-fashioned <laughs> centre-back. Um, obviously came from Arsenal, did well at Millwall on loan, and he's, you know, a solid, but you get him turned, mm. and he's, he's, his skill set isn't quite there. They're trying to play it out from the back. Knight nicks it in the way that Knight is just an annoying player to play against, yeah. and just sort of nicks, nicks the thing, and ta- Taylor Garnham goes through, takes that penalty for me. The Sykes one, I thought he was a coming together Mm-hmm. Um, from my position in W13, I thought it's one of those that the two players have arrived at the ball at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the thing about Sykes is in the second half, he did this daft thing after about eight, about 70 odd minutes where he's running in and oh, we're on the screen, aren't we? The, the two like that and he runs towards the player and looks to bounce off to actually buy it. Yeah, and that is Sykes. Sykes, there's something about him that you think, are we ever going to get a penalty with Sykes? The two penalties we've got had with James and with Taylor Hickman, we've just nicked the ball, waited for the challenge. With Sykes, Sykes has got this way of running, and then you can tell he's like, I'm going to get a penalty here. I'm going to get a penalty here, and he deliberately almost like runs towards the players when he doesn't. I think in the referees' minds. Yeah. They look at Sykes as somebody who's actively looking to get the penalty rather than the two penalties we've got from James in the Borough game and, and yesterday. The player has played the ball in such a way as to elicit the actual penalty itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's point. what I'd say with Sykes. That's good point. Sykes looks to get a penalty and actively, and I think the refs know what Sykes is like. And Tommy tucked it away because that's all good for his confidence. What do you think of his run-up? It was a little bit of a stuttering run and then Send the keeper the wrong way. The good composure, two good penalties from him. Yeah, you know, fifth um, goal of the season. Top, to top scorer now. Yeah, scorer. Ian, your uh, your take uh, on the on on the, on the goal, the the you know, and the uh, well, Tommy's strike. Did Tommy looked more on it yesterday from your perspective. And I think a lot of it with Tommy depends on the support he got. Knight is is definitely playing a lot further forward. I mean, sometimes we had a two. Um, sometimes we had Knight and Gardner Hickman. When we had the ball, we were attacking and we were pressing, playing his two tens. Um, so it's this thing that, that Manning wants to do, this fluid formation where you're playing one formation in possession, another formation out. Um but I, I think, look, picking up on some of the comments um, on here, uh, one from Rob Collins about uh, George Tanner. Uh, we were told when he came in, he was one for the future. And that's quite correct. And he ended up playing, once again, our other uh, major, major issue at the club, injuries. And if it hadn't been for injuries, and it hadn't been for injuries this season, McCrory, you, Neil's right, would have probably been starting 
it right back and he's a beast he's a big fella um but he can also play right center back he can also play uh holding midfield and he's got a hell of a shot on him um and uh so and he, and he for aberdeen last season he also played right back right wing back um so center midfield and center half so it's having players that are handy to play in those positions and at the start of the season um nigel pearson was asked if he wanted another central defender and declined it because at the time he thought he'd have atkinson mccrory naismith dickey and viner that's five yeah so he thought well what whatever happens i'll be all right well unfortunately three out of the five have got injured and when you're playing two <laughs> that that put that takes you down to the bare bones yeah so you know th that was a squad that that nigel pearson wanted and it we never made the allowance for the number of injuries we've got and it is it is a major problem and until we solve that that problem one way or the other well, we're talking about, players, we're talking about how we solve or, or, or stop the injuries uh be interesting to see the new medical guy i reckon will be in post from um from january the first or be interesting well be interesting um, to see who it is be back to work to in january the, the top guy the one who's replacing rennie yeah matthew seward said we have to look at another two quality midfielders well we're talking about transfers at the end mark um yeah because I, I just mentioned the goal yeah i know i'm going to come to you I'm yeah going to come sorry. To you on the goal right i'm going to come to you on the goal um the uh you know we don't get any penalties we've seen more blatant uh decisions go against us for the last couple of years and uh, it's a bit like buses none and then two come along at once and i think somebody put on one of the social media platforms you know is was nigel not a popular manager with referees and therefore they're thinking it was a bit like neil was saying about you know sykes do referees really think in that level of detail about a player who's playing for penalties. I mean, Alex Scott knew how to buy a foul as well, but, you know, we've suddenly got two penalties in the space of about four weeks, Mark, you know, and tuck them both away of our fortunes turn. And as I say, talk about a goal and Tommy's finish. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't, it, it shouldn't do. Uh, well, managers, certainly not. Players may be, you know, if referees have, have uh, but it, it will cloud their judgment. Really, they they should do it based on the game, not not based on a uh, on on what a pl what a player's done. Um, they should just look, look at the you know the action in in real time. The reason we get that penalty is because we press. So you you're only gonna you're only gonna win penalties if you get if you take a lot of touches in your opponent's area. Tommy closes down the keeper, and he'd done it before. I think a minute or so earlier. So he closes down the keeper. Dawson tries to play left foot fat pass into Neil, the central midfielder, because Huggins Huggins is out of the pitch here. The right back is at the pitch. Nine is actually in the right back position. Uh, further over but then Knight is just flying in so he gets a goal side of him to make a tackle he actually wins a tackle but then Garner Hickman actually comes in behind him to they take the loose ball so mm. going back to what Ian says God I said that about five times now if you haven't got those two attacking central midfielders then it doesn't happen it only happens because Garner Hickman picks up the ball the loose ball from uh from Knight's tackle and then he's in 
then the keeper just makes a touch. There's players behind him. He's not the last man. There's, there's, I think there's two or three Sunderland defenders behind Dawson. He's right on the edge of the 18-yard box. But it's a penalty. But you, the only reason the way you get penalties is if you actually is if you actually get defenders or keepers to commit a challenge. We don't do yeah. that enough. That's why yeah. we don't get penalties. But it was a great penalty. He he, uh, he uh, conned the keeper. Moved his head slightly, looking looking one side and put it in the other side. No. Great penalty. No, it was good. And and Neil, I I thought you know if we were talking the period immediately after the goal, um, you know if we talk about front foot fast attacking football, I thought we played some pretty decent stuff. We've already gone into uh, the Mimetti, uh shot that uh, hit the post. Uh, you had an interesting observation about how Mametti was being coached on the the Lansdowne yeah, side, yeah. but there it, it was also a situation which I thought was great. And again, Taylor Gardner-Hickman, uh, all this before half-time, Dickey, good through ball, Taylor Gardner-Hickman, run and shot, pa- Patterson springing to his left to parry it away. You know, I mean, we could have been 2-0 up, but you were close to the touchline. Tell tell the, the guys and the listeners what um, Manning was doing with the uh, Metti. Well, nor- micromanagement was the word yeah. used. So normally I'm up in E32, row 32, which is a very different experience from W13, row 9, because obviously my eldest son's had his ankle operation, so he's in the boot and all the rest of it. So we just swapped seats for the last couple of games. Very different experience, visual experience, you're very close to the pitch. You see a lot of things, obviously, you're not going to see from row 32 of the Dolman. Mimetti doesn't really know quite what he's doing defensively, in a shape in particular. And Manning was there with him, basically micromanaging him through that first half. Right, this is what you do here, talking to him, talking to him, talking to him, talking to him. Maybe Pearson didn't do that. Maybe Pearson's expectations of Mimetti was you go onto the pitch, this is how I want you to play, fill your boots, you know. But there's only two coaches as well, Neil. I mean, Curtis Fleming and Jason Yule, they should be doing that. But maybe the perspective is like, we're not going to micromanage players. We're going to have expectations that they're going to be able to take on board what we want and actually do it on the pitch. But Manning yesterday, he was, Anis, do this, Anis, do that, Anis, do this, Anis, do that. And then I said to you, the interesting second half when he's over on the Dolman side and he hasn't got that in his ear. Yeah. And I don't think he was anywhere near as effective the second half when he doesn't have the person there telling him exactly what to do. And I think, Manning in his after-match presser said, well, Anis, yeah, we, you know, we're still having to work a lot. And as you take, he's obviously extremely raw, put it yeah. that way. The player, the maverick that we bought in January with expectations. Going forward, he does add a dimension at times, like what he did with the shot that came off the post that Ian was talking about. Yeah. Defensively, he's a bit of a liability. No, you're right. He's got no physical. I think he did defensively, probably because of the coaching in the first half. What he was doing is he was actually coming inside and and, and tidying up. He did make some tackles, which I thought was amazing because normally he gets what what happens is he was under Pearson. He was stuck to the side. Uh, he was on 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 the side, and it once he once he was uh, the wrong side of the defender, and he just got dragged along. He just can't recover the ball very well, but he came inside and, and made a few blocks. He was blocking the passing lanes in the first half, which was good, I thought. So there's mm. something there. He'll get yeah. better. Ian, you wanted to make a point. I was coming to you next anyway. Go on. Yeah, if you 
if you're going to bring in Maverick in, which is how Nigel Pearson described him or described what he wanted before he signed him, and if if you play wingers on the basis of how well they can defend, you've got it wrong because you've got. It, it, did you notice Roberts and Clark doing a huge amount of defending? Because I didn't. No. So your wingers have got to affect the game going that way, and in the in the final third. That's what I want to see the wingers. I want to see them getting goals and assists and crossing the ball. And one of the major problems we were talking about George Tanner. George Tanner is as good a crosser of the ball as anybody we got this season, and I'm including Campering, Sam Bell, Sykes. Mamete, because our crossing is dreadful at times. The times we hit the first defender or uh, don't pull it back to the player properly uh, is is poor. It was seven percent accuracy yesterday, according to Scott. Yesterday, Ta- sorry, it was about seven percent accuracy yesterday crossing, according to Scott. Seven percent. Well, that, that tells yeah. you everything you want to know. You're not going to score a ton of goals if you can't cross the ball. In, in in English football, well, in any football. So uh, Robert Collins said, Mimetti is Manning's Casey Palmer discussed. No, he, he's, he, but he does need coaching. And there's a world of difference between what was happening under Nigel Pearson up at the HPC and what's happening under Liam Manning and Chris Ogg. And it's a world of difference in terms of preparation, coaching sessions, videos, telling people how they want to play. And he's trying to... Take, take a bit of a bit of a silk purse and turn up uh, a south ear and turn it into a silk purse because if you look at the games the seven games that they said that they finally decided that that Nigel was moving on um the two one the two we won were two of the luckiest wins you'll ever see Rotherham away when Tommy came on played out of his skin for about 10 minutes and was man of the match that's how good that game was and commentary, and commentary at, home. at home yeah commentary at home when we could have easily yeah. been four down at half time yeah Easy. yeah so and, and we cocked up the formation but no I, I think as you play further forward and, and one of the things I said when Manning came in is if he can get a tune out of Anis Mometi we've got a player now I'm still not 100% convinced with Mometi but I think there's something in there. And obviously Manning thinks there's something in there. So he gave him a go yesterday. But let, let's not get to this point where we're picking. Because if, if you want players that can defend on that side, you wait till Hayden Roberts is fit and you play him in front of Cam Pring. Yeah, or, be or, vice, or even vice versa. Well, I would still leave Pring at, at fullback because he has got a bit of height back there. And if you yeah. it's quite effective it, when the ball goes is accurately played to him on when he goes out on that left side it flicking it on for Mometi mm. or into Tommy and and until we get a, a a taller striker um which my understanding is that we'll be looking for a striker and, and a creative midfielder uh, in January um then uh, we we've, we've got to get around it if you want to call it that Playing that kind of way, but no, let's let's not let, you know start saying. Well, you know, Mimetti's not that great defensively. I I want him to cr- get goals and, and get assists. Now, yeah. if he's not well, we doing that, up, we I'll want criticize, him up in the final. I'll criticize him all day. Yeah, we want him in the final third of the pitch. The one point I make about Mimetti and Manning 
is I think Manning's gone on record saying that if he was staying at Oxford, it was pretty He'd much gone. agreed that he was having Mometi on loan. Is that right? In January. So he knew about Mometi before he came to the club. All right. He was going to have, have him at Oxford on loan. Um, and that was agreed that the club was going to loan him out. So he thinks highly of Mometi, I think. And he's willing to put the time and the effort in. And that's what it is, about the the it is about putting the time and the right. effort in. Let's get into the second half and, you know, just not masses of incidents in there other than two super saves from uh, Max. And it was one-way traffic. I, I read the uh, Sunderland manager, but well, he's caretaker manager. Beal wasn't in the box yesterday, by the way, watching the game. But he said Bristol didn't get out of their half until the 70th minute. And I think he was absolutely true there. Neil, we made two substitutions, uh, well, one substitution, two players coming on on the 70th minute, Williams uh, for, for James and Vyman for Mometi. Um, were you happy with that and timing of the substitutions? Yeah, I, I, James didn't, the way that they were passing the ball, I don't think James had the best game, but then James sort of stops those lines in the middle of the park. He can hang back and that's allowing Knight and the, TGH to do those. Yeah, so, so he's, yeah. he's a guy for shutting down the channels when the ball's coming down the middle. They were spreading it wide. And as such, you know, he was used as a block for when Clark was cut, cutting in or Roberts was cutting in. But because they moved the ball out wide so much, he, was, he wasn't as effective, I think, James, as he usually is and that sort of thing. So I wasn't surprised for him to go out. Uh, to go off and Williams is the obvious obvious one to send out, send out the rampager type thing and try and get a grip which he does after 30 seconds but Vyman again I mean um, I didn't even I didn't see I, a single contribution I, I, turned to, I, turned, I turned to Thomas after uh, about 80 minutes and I said uh, just to double check Vyman is on the pitch <laughs> at the moment isn't he or something well, like that and well, he, he was. I think he was fouled, wasn't he, in the last twenty minutes? He did make yeah, some good I, blocks I, I, defensively. I he wasn't thing, bad. I uh, thing he did. I mean, well, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Sorry, it's my dog. And some of the noises during this broadcast. We've got Eddie the Labrador's been uh, in, walking in and out in here. He's, he's just doing his good guide dog bit at the moment. Um, yeah, um, let's let's go talk about Max's two saves in the second half. You first, Mark. Um, Save number one. I mean, some goalkeeper like Allison does them, one of the Premier League goalkeepers, you know, they'll be showing them over and over uh, again. But uh, the first one from an 09 header, second one from a Bellingham header. I mean, he silences critics. There are critics, I'm not saying we criticise him. Ian, I don't want to get your wrath for saying something that you didn't say. But Mark, Mark those two saves, top draw. And overall, yesterday, I thought he was okay. In every respect. Yeah, I think he, the one thing, I think he's getting better uh, on crosses. His distribution still, you know, it's, it's still a bit lacking. Uh, some, some of his, some of his kicking uh, from feet and from, from hands isn't, isn't the best, but that will improve. But yeah, the first one, uh, 09, and actually bounces up into him uh, to, to 09. The ball hits the floor, 09 crouches down and heads it. And it's actually behind Max, so he gets one hind. It actually went to, to goal line technology. The ball was rested on the line. So he got his hand to it. And I think Garner Hickman's just behind him, yeah. uh, tucked inside. Whether he would have got it if it had gone any further. Well, it couldn't have gone much further, could it? Because it would have been over the line. But it's a fantastic save. The second one from Bellingham, 
he's actually heading it down. Now it's near the, it's a little bit central, which favours him. But again, he gets a good strong hand to it and pushes it wide. Uh, you know, he doesn't push it back into play. He pushes it wide. Top top saves in a pressure situation. Yeah. So uh, you know, we, we, we have to thank Kept him. Kept us in yeah. It. But yeah. that's what you do. I mean, people say we were lucky. We didn't. We 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 won the game because we were great in defence. Yeah. You don't you don't you don't you make your own you make your own luck. I think there's it's one of the golfers said the harder I the more I practice the luckier I get. You know the harder I work people yeah. say the luckier I get. So it was down to hard work, great defending and and good goalkeeping from yeah. from Max O'Leary. I mean it's like it's like the Norwich game. We we should have won that. You know you can put a spin on it whichever way. You know and yesterday Sunderland will feel disappointed just like we did. So we can't take yeah. the negative aspect. Depending on yeah, which there's way. no, there's no such. Or we were lucky, you know. Yeah, we kept them out, you know. And I thought about that when I was woke up this morning. And I was thinking, well, well it's know. a flippant thing said by football fans, isn't it? You mean you look it at is. the stats? Oh, it you is. were lucky today. You got away with one today. Well, we 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 won a penalty. You look at you look at how we we won that penalty. That was from good attacking play. Yeah. And for all of Sunderland's possession, they didn't have a cut a cutting edge at all, no. and that's going to be their problem going going forward. It is. We're a, we're a work in progress. The top six team six tag people yeah. are still using that flippantly because because John Lansdowne said it. It's a load of absolute cobblers. We're a work we in progress. We might again. have to go. Well, we might have to. We're, we're going backwards to go to go forwards at the moment, but I think we a can go bit. forward. No, I agree. But it'll need, need two or yeah. It'll need, two or three, it'll need two or three additions, wouldn't it, to, to, to make yeah. us a better side? Well, no we'll talk about those additions in, in a moment. And if they'd have had Ellis Sims, who was there in their starting lineup at the opening game. Well, of Coventry season, got him, haven't they? And he's not, not doing so well. He's so, not doing well, the business. It. it just shows that. Ian, um, the goal, I mean, it's interesting. First half, Pritchard had put in a corner that uh, Max had tipped it over. And then both the, uh, the header or both the saves came from indirectly. Pritchard corners, one on the Lansdowne side, one on the Dolman side. I mean, he, when he plays like that, you you don't have to think about whether we get somebody to compete for the number one spot, or do you? And your comment on the two saves? Well, the two the two saves were absolutely excellent, particularly the one um, that Mark highlighted earlier on about uh, it went to the uh, goal line review system because that ball was half over the line when he clawed it away. So um, that was a tremendous save. Uh, Max is, is, I think Max is a good keeper. Is his distribution always what it should be? No. Um, but we can't all be like the Man City guy. And, and you're talking about a 35, 40 million pound goalkeeper there. So, but I think Max is, you know, I, I, I look at yesterday, I look at their defence and their goalkeeper. And I wouldn't swap their defence and their goalkeeper for our defence. And our goalkeeper. Yeah, so, I agree. You know, it, it's it, it's that. I, I wouldn't be... Well, in terms of looking to strengthen that area of the field, if we can get the players fit, we may not need to. But my question overall is, can we keep them fit? And that that's just a massive problem. I'm sorry to keep going back to it. But if you're going to have a small squad, they've got to stay fit. Um, yeah. But... I, I think um, oh, I just deal with Bob Taylor's car. A world of difference. Please tell us. Please tell us more, Mister Gay. Have you been at the HPC daily? Uh, no, but I talk to highly intelligent people uh, who have. 
yeah. unlike you, who are a bit, a bit sorry for me, if you don't mind saying <laughs> so. Can I just say... Hey, can I just look, say... Just because I shared with him the fact... It shared with you in... No, 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 no. He no, told no, you the spouting hobbit. Let's not do that. And Mark, you be quiet. No, let's... No, but what no, what I'm saying is there it's night and day. Right? You yeah. look at you look at the way Hodge and Manning um Hodge and Manning are Hog. doing things. Hog. Hog. Hog and Manning are doing things totally different. And you can you'll see it reflected in the players. And if those players ain't good enough, then I'm sure between January and the summer they'll be gone. All right. Okay, Neil, your your shout. I wanted to ask you something oh, as well. Just nothing. Right. Son's got some friends who are in the under-18s and under-21s. They talk about the pitches up at the HPC now, the training pitches, not the main pitch, the training pitches, he's painted arrows on them. There are arrows all over the pitch to show the movement and to show where players should be running. And it's Is bizarre. Right? Yeah, and it's bizarre. Manning got asked it in a press interview. Oh, well, you've got all these lines on the pitch. What are all they for? Uh, what are they for? And he went, oh, I can't, I can't sort it. Well, look, so, then, but, then, but then with it, obviously, after the uh, Blackburn game, yeah. he made the comment, maybe there's been too much information with the players. Maybe, we, maybe we've overloaded, overloaded them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw you. Well, the thing to do, the thing to do is, I haven't got a drone, but anybody who's listening, get up to uh, Ashton, <laughs> get up to Phelan and take a drone up this afternoon and send us some uh, pictures. Isn't, isn't Talking pic about changing the isn't, subject. Sorry. So, sorry, changing the subject. And, you know, we have this, what is it, Project White Beam, yeah? And we were talking about what the travel rate, you know, we're a green club, almost like the Lord oh, Mayor yeah. of Bristol being highlighted in a certain media for his trips all over the world. We're a green club, but we did fly up to uh, Huddersfield on uh, Tuesday, sorry, Blackburn on Tuesday. We flew up to Liverpool and then uh, the players rested in the afternoon and uh, there was a little private jet to bring them back uh, Afterwards, so uh, you know, well, they, flew on cooking, oh, they flew on sustainable fuel, fuel cooking oil rather well, than you know, I the, personally, the, the, the I thought, fuel. personally, I thought they should have stayed away, but that's by the by. Let's just wrap the game up. Um, Neil, you you WhatsApp me, I mean, about an incident that uh, who is it, uh, Josh Jones has said as well. Before we talk about that incident, Taylor Garner Hickman, yeah, we got to sign him, have we? Maybe, uh. Another good run and shot that was saved in the second half. But uh, Josh Jones has said on the text feed here, uh, Cornick doing his best Baz Savage impression yeah. against Yeovil. God, how far have they fallen? Has yeah. to be the comical. So yeah. Tell us about that with, with Cornick. Well, he does very well. He's, he's released pass. He's in. He's behind Yen. Awful touch. Awful yeah. touch. And, that, and he touched the bloke. The bloke touched him and he sort of just was, slid in. And that yeah, was nothing. He, he, I think it was a touch that took the ball away from him, and then that's why he slid in. I don't think anybody ever thought it was a foul by Nien. It, it reminds me a little bit of um, last year, Jerry Yates. Last year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he went through the middle, and actually that was putting a little bit of a... Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. ...force into it that the referee missed. But, you know... That wasn't great by corner, was it? And that the could pass have been by the pass by night, Neil, not was terrific. Not to get a shot off there, really. I but think. To, you know, if I have you, if I ever wake up in the morning feeling fine because I got Harry Cornick on me, oh, you got my permission. God. You got my permission to shoot me. 
Yeah, I've had I've I've had Phil Oakey on the phone moaning about moaning about the Tommy Conway song. He can't stand it, you know. Tommy What's Conway, that? baby. Don't you want me? But oh god, yeah. Tommy Conway, baby. My God, the Human League. Going yeah. back to the um, going back to that incident with Cornick, the ball from Knight because he wins the ball uh, in the right back position, and it's behind him. And he he plays it across, you know, from right to left. Absolutely terrific ball. But it was like he was celebrating the penalty. He was celebrating a goal, skidding on his knees. I mean, it was a bit embarrassing. I'm just, you know, you're just so embarrassed by that. Try and get a shot away or do something. You know, yeah. of course, it's in front of Section 82. So Section 82 immediately think penalty, don't they? And yeah. oh, you're thinking, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just embarrassed. Were you embarrassed? Right. I was. Well, no, it was just disappointing because that's a game out of sight. And you remember his very first game for us, uh, Cornet, he had that breakthrough. And if he'd have took that one away and said he blasted it, well, at least he got a shot away that time. All right, let's look forward to uh, Friday against Hull City. Uh, Ian, uh, managed by a former player who should never have left the club were it not for an admin error, Liam Rosinia. They uh, gave Cardiff a 3 0 I didn't. They're another top six side coming into the game um what what can we uh what can what can we expect i see uh, scott twine scored for them yesterday a player who liam manning had at uh, mk dons and who was sold <coughs> maybe leading to mk dons demise and his sacking but uh, what what can we expect against hull another challenging game i would have thought yeah i mean hull are uh, if you look at the form table at the moment they're eighth so their last six games, they've played three, uh, uh, play, sorry, played six, won three, drew one and lost two. They score goals because they scored 12 goals, but they also concede. So I, I'm seeing them a, a little bit as a, a little bit like Middlesbrough, who who are uh, who score goals, but let quite a few in. Mm. Um, going into their uh, away form, um, their waveform, I'm trying to find them on that list, and they're tenth in that. So their last, yeah, <clears throat> they are a side that anything could happen. To be quite honest, they've uh, their last six away games, they've uh, won two, drew two, lost two, uh, scored nine, and letting ten. Mm -hmm. So I, I think once again, uh, if you look at the two teams, it's gonna it's gonna be a very open, a very open attacking game. Uh, somebody. Asked me, I was talking to somebody in Newcastle during the week, and they asked me how I thought we'd do against Sunderland. So you got to beat them. I said, mate, I honestly don't know what what to expect when I go uh, down to Ashton Ashton Gate. I, 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 the only thing I, I will tell you, they're probably it probably won't be goalless. But I mean, we could win three 0 we could lose three 0 it could be a draw. Um, and at the moment, our home form is. Well, at the moment, our last six at home, we won four and lost two, and um, we draw there. We're not still not, we're still not scoring enough goals uh, because we've only scored seven. But then again, we've only conceded five at home. Yeah. So right. it, it looks like it's. I would say it looks like it's going to be a really entertaining game. But they got one brilliant goal from the free kick that was twined, and the other two were uh, more or less. Well, one was a cross <laughs> following a long ball down the middle, and the other was a pass. Uh, long pass down the middle, uh, which the guy took well and lobbed the keeper. So, uh, but Cardiff aren't in great form at the moment. So hopefully, yeah. with the fact that our defence is better, uh, we can keep them out and uh, perhaps win a higher scoring game. 
That would be my hope. Well, that'd be very nice. Mark, I mean, it would be a good psychological boost to beat Hull, wouldn't it? Because if you look at the table, they're sat nestled there in uh, in fifth. I mean, there's a six-point gap between them and Southampton in fourth. My view is that there's about 10 clubs of which we're one, thankfully, as a result of winning yesterday. There are 10 clubs making a play for the two, I think, two final slots in the playoff positions, yeah? If we beat Hull, we go up to 32 points. We're four points off. That's a good place to be going into the Christmas period, and it marks the halfway point of the season as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got no... Everybody's got aspirations to the playoffs, but I haven't even got any faults of that because I think with our, our recent form, we were looking over our shoulders maybe a little bit. I don't think we're ever going to, we were ever going to be in danger of being in a relegation fight if we'd have lost yesterday, but it would have it would have got the fans really worrying. So I think at the halfway stage, if we can be on 32 points, that's great. And then it's going to be signings in January, players returning like Rob Atkinson, Naki Wells, Cal Naismith maybe. February, March, April, I don't know, May. Uh, it'll get a few I think games ev in before. everybody, sorry to interrupt, everybody but Eamon should be back by, uh, I think, a Eamon, not, we, we know, not sure, Hayden Roberts towards the end of January and all the <laughs> others, mid, all the others injured mid-January. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rob Rob Atkinson's going to give. That's going to when he's fully fit. He's going to give Manning a headache because he's got. He, he wants to play with. He wants to play with. Well, you think you want to play with two centre backs at the moment? So at the moment, that's Viner uh, and Atkinson. And uh, sorry, Viner and Dickie. Uh, and Dicky. Excuse me. So that's that's a very good problem for him to well, have. I think Rory, yeah, Mark, Mark so I think, you, right play, back, so. I, I think yeah. you play any two from three because I'm just not. On a personal level, I'm just not keen on Naismith being uh, back there. But then, you know, he's turning out to be a little bit of a sick note. Neil, just to wrap up on the looking forward to Hull, um, that would be good. Halfway point, 32 points that would be. Well, Hull, Hull themselves are a good team. They are a good team. Well, they've beaten, they beaten Leicester and Middlesbrough away, haven't they, yeah, this season? Very Tufan, good. I really like Tufan for them. He's a fantastic Turkish player there that they've recruited. They've bought Delap, Twine, Tyler Morton, all in on loan, all starting, all performing. Tyler Morton was obviously at Blackburn last year and was mm -hmm. a standout player when he was on loan. He's on loan from Liverpool, standout player for Blackburn last season. Twine, he's always looked at playing. He got injured when he went to Burnley, mm. but we thought he might actually stand up. But he's, he's a fantastic player in the lower divisions. Delab, mm, he's not going to make it at Man City, but he's a physical presence. He obviously scored against us, I think, start of the season, didn't he, in the away game? Yeah. I think Delap sort of scored. Type of player, physical sort of tall player who's going to cause us problems. I think it's a, arguably a harder game than uh, the Sunderland and Middlesbrough game, okay. actually, we're actually going into it. The one thing I'd say about Hull is the two centre-backs, I think they've got a geezer that was from Long Ashton. Um, Greaves, is it? Greaves, yeah. yeah. Jacob Greaves, or is it Alfie Jones? One of them's from Long Ashton, isn't he? Yeah. He's a local yeah. lad who went down to Southampton, didn't go through our academy, went through Southampton. It's either Alfie Jones or Jacob Greaves. The two centre-backs... Aren't great for me. 
from when we've played them a few years ago, I don't think they've actually recruited and improved in the centre-back position. So I think there's some opportunities there. They've got Cyrus Christie, who's getting on a bit at a left-back and a right-back. Left he's a right-back, Louis Cole. No idea who you are, mate, but there we go. 28. He's, That's he's his career been, over. He's been at Hull for a number of years. Defensively, you know, that, that last game of the season, we played him before when we won 5-0. I don't think they've actually recruited defensively. What they've done is they've recruited offensively. Uh, and I think they've done well. Yeah. And they are perhaps they're going to get in the playoff. Well, I always, the playoff team yeah. I mean, I always want to beat Hull because of what they did to us in 2008. So I think we're all all speaking as one. Yeah. yeah? Ian's thinking that it could be a high scoring uh, high scoring encounter. It'd be nice if it is going into Christmas. Be interesting to see what the crowd is on a Friday night. I don't think there'll be too many people making the journey down from uh, Humberside to watch it. But uh, let's just spend uh, five minutes uh, or so before we wrap up uh, talking about the transfer window. Uh, and you first, Ian. Um, everybody's coming back into fitness, which is good. So we've got to get to see, in theory, the side that Nigel might have wanted to have played. Yeah, But equally, Liam will want to make some tweaks. Um, there's the loan market possibility, and it's less than two weeks now, barely two weeks, before the window opens. Um, when we sign players, they've always got to be better than what we've got. Yeah? Okay, so somebody like George Tanner, we said when he was signed two years ago, he's one for the future, but clearly he's been one for the present. I, if we have a... We get on a we get on a run, Ian. Like, we get a draw at Watford... We beat Birmingham away, and on New Year's Day we beat Millwall. That four, and assuming we beat Hull, that four-point gap between us and the playoffs will narrow if we put together a bit of form. It's a bit of a conundrum, really. Do you stick with what you've got? Do you twist? Do you go into the loan market and get in quality loan players? And and if so, where? What areas of the pitch? Do you strengthen? So what's your take on the month of January and the window? My understanding is we'll do business. The preference is the same as it was in the summer, and that's to sign. We'll be signing players from League One, League Two, Scotland. The other area that we'll look at are out of players that are going to be out of contract. So you're, I hate to say it, but, you know, uh, a similar situation to Harry Cornick, um, where you've got a player who's currently playing in the championship. He's going to be out of contract in the summer. So the club may not want to sell him, but they will want to cash in and get some money rather than no money. Mm. Uh, if we can't get um, permanent signings, we'll get loans and we'll be looking for players in the in the top half of the pitch now this is all barring accidents uh and injure further injuries because the problem is you can bet your life if we get four or five back it won't be too long before we've got four or five out uh because that's that's been the way of the world for the last four years mm. uh, so i can't see it stopping that much although the new fitness coaches and the, the new head of medical will will have a, a significant impact on that and if 
they won't have a significant impact. We shouldn't have made any changes in that department. Um, mm. But if if we can't get perms, perms are the preference. There's money there to do it. Um, perms are the preference. But if we can't get perms, we'll look at loans. Um, right. But some of the money that's being quoted for loans, because the Premier League clubs see it as a, a good financial generator. And if I tell you that young lads who've never kicked a ball in the championship are available at £25,000 a week, that's the kind of market that you're in. Mm. If you want Premier League loans, okay. And some of the some of the some of the players, uh, I mean, some of the information that I've um, I found out um, through exceptional sources uh, is it, for example, Scott is on twelve times as much as he was down the city ground at Bournemouth. Yeah. Because so, when yeah. when people say, "Well, we we should have kept him," and we should have done this, and we should have done that, can, can you blame the kid for for, no. for for going there? Do you think do you think someone's going to you know if you were offered somebody comes to you and offers you twelve times your salary, yeah. you I, ain't I mean, going. I think, so, yeah, so that's that's the market we're yeah, in. And that's what we do. I think I think the I'll, thing is, I'll be Scott, surprised if we don't. Scott, Scott, Sorry. Scott's youth contract, the contract that he signed when he broke into the side at 17, would have been probably four grand a week tops. Yeah? Three grand. Three grand. So to go from three grand to 36 grand, City may well have offered him a contract at, I don't know, if our max wage is 12 grand a week. So he may have offered him 12 grand a week. He's still going to go for 36, very much like Adam Webster went to Brighton. Forgetting the point, Dave. If you're a professional, you want to you want to apply your trade at the highest level. Of course you do, which right? is why, and it's not a and, case of us. And being if a you want to play in the Premier League, this yeah. this ain't the club. the The only way, and even then, we we might not be able to hold on to our better players or our best players. Um, the only way is 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 if we get promoted, and as Norwich showed with Buendia, they got promoted had a tremendous season. Villa come in in the summer and, and say to Delia, right, we'll give you 42 That's million gonna quid. That's going to happen. You're a selling club in those circumstances, yeah. Well, every club in the country is a selling club in certain circumstances. I mean, Man City sell players. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's one thing they've done well. Right. That when a player is, you know, might not be getting in the side a lot or slightly. I mean, they sold players like Sterling. He, he was a good player for Man City. Yeah. They still flogged him because he fancied a, a move back to London. He did. And uh, they're not having the best of form. Mark, your comment. Yeah. I need to wrap up in a moment in total. Yeah, would yeah. would in those circumstances, and knowing that we blood lots of young players, would a Premier League club be prepared to subsidise some of the wages? Because they do it in some circumstances, don't they? I don't know well, if they, do. a, they, they then, have done. But then you're in the question as well as to who who do you leave who do you leave out of the starting lineup. Um, even with this slightly depleted squad to get better, the bigger, Dave. The bigger, the bigger question is: is will the kid that you sign on? Let's say you go, Steve Lansdowne says, or John Lansdowne now says, right, yeah, go and get him. So he says to Brian Tierney, yeah, you go and get Ronnie Jones at, at, at Chelsea on twenty five thousand pound a week. 
You don't know if he's any good in the championship. No. Well, we didn't Some know. Some players if, have gone down. And we didn't know if Tommy Abraham was going to be any good. All right. Um, I just. No, just but, you know, that's the chance. What I'm saying is that's the chance you take. And we live in post-COVID rather than pre-COVID times. And the world's a different place financially unless you're in the Premier League. Right. Yeah, the risk the risk is greater. That's what we're talking yeah. about, isn't it? Much greater. Exactly that. Risk. All right, and Neil. Exactly you're these clubs are shitting themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the transfers. I think there's a there's a real difficulty in January getting the players in. Full stop. Even if you're talking about right, okay, we're in the market. We go and we you know approach a team and we say we'd love to take this player on loan. All right, it's on twenty grand a week. Right, okay, yeah, well, going to bet. There's going to be four or five other clubs looking to take that player. Of course. So then, what happens is you get into a row where you're having to like bring them over, sell the club to them, and do all these type of things. That takes weeks. You know, if anybody thinks that we're going to be getting in, whether permanent loans, whatever, in the first two weeks of the window, I wouldn't say. Mm. So I think we're going to go through the majority of January with the squad that we have at the moment. Yes, we'll look to tweak it and bring players in. We we can all see after the first seven games where we need to improve if we're going to be playing manning pool but the the point is recruitment is a nightmare in january unless yeah. you pay stupid money for yeah. a permanent or you're willing to you know you go to the liverpools and chelsea's and say i really like that youngster right he's 20 but, grand a week well we'll give 25 just to get him in now you know you're either paying over the odds on loan to get in front of the other four teams looking at him or you're overpaying on yeah. permanent contracts to bring people in. Either way, you're never going to get value for no. money. No. Um, but I mean, look, that, you know, Tomlin, we got in great for us on on that thing. Galvanised us. Um, kept us up, and then was a total waste of money. Although we got our money back because we took Cardiff. The, 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 lot, the lockdown Hallfield got Elliot Anderson in from Premiership into you yeah. know League Two, and yeah. he pretty much single-handedly got them promoted because they were yeah. going nowhere in league i'll two. be honest i say so you can you can find it but it's not a great time to recruit no. and it's not a great time to um to bring in My, there's a certain desperation around trying to recruit it's a good time if you're in the playoffs building on what you've already got but we but we could be in that situation if we have a little bit of a run no but we're on the on the fringe thanks john all right yeah god i'm being far yeah. too we believe believing in fairies next, uh, no, David, no, I'm you? just look. You, not, I know it's. it's not, I know what you mean. It's excited, nice. To, you ca, you, could, up, you yeah. can do if you win it. If you have a run of games, yeah, you can. You could be in the in the playoff position. Oh, by the way, I think with the yeah. players coming back after injury, and as Ian says, but we could lose a different four. But if I think with the players coming back after injury, right, then we, anybody that we sign. On um, anybody that we sign uh, in January has got to be better than what they've we've already got and can come straight into the team in one of those starting lineups. So maybe after the whole game, we talk about who's at risk. I'm going to throw a name out there now uh, because we said about midfielders, and I know he's not an attacking midfielder, but yeah, I think Matty James might find that he's part of the match day squad going forward. You know, going forward rather than. And ever present in there i don't uh, really know and then the final thing on this is who might go out as um somebody said uh, on here matt seward said on it be good for your boa to go out on oh, loan. God, you definitely, know, yeah. 
you know, and where, where, you know, do, does Anis Mameti go out on loan? Because if we're signing, if we sign three players and effectively we've got three players who would be first team starters coming back, we could be six players better off than we are at the moment. But we're talking, yeah, but we're Dave, talk Dave about... you, you've got to allow for injuries moving forward oh. because don't forget, you can't, it's all right saying, well, we could let Mameti go out on loan and we could do this and do that. At the moment, Leo Manning's terrified every time one of our players goes into a tackle because he thinks, well, Christ, I could lose another one for three months. So, yeah, I'm terrified. Guys, let's talk about, players. let's look forward to, the, I, I need to wrap it up. Well, can I, I, can yeah, I just two. make a point about where we are, Dave? We're nine points clear of relegation, which is, yeah. a, is, is a decent place. If we can beat Hull, that could go to 12. Um, we're six points behind behind the playoffs. So once again, a win, and it's on a Friday night, could put make you look in a much more healthier well, position. Yeah, so whatever let's, happens, let's look, look on the bright side. Yeah, whatever happens on Friday, you know, we will be, and Hull is the marker. Now West Brom could overtake Hull. Sunderland could overtake Hull at the weekend, right? But Hull, well, Sunderland are three points behind Hull at the moment. We would be, even if Sunderland win at the weekend and we beat Hull, we'd be four points behind fifth, and sixth place going into the closings, and then what a marvelous yeah, effort that is as we, well. We, Nearly nine thousand fans going we, up for uh, eulogized about, West Ham in the FA Cup. Well, we've we've you eulogised about uh, Sunderland and their prowess and their technical skills and all the rest of it. They've picked up five points out the last twenty-one away from home. Yeah. So it it that's the division we're in. It's not when we, oh when was the last time? Can anybody tell me the last time we won two games back to back? It must be over forty games. Back. It is now. It's now over forty in because when that stat first appeared, um, it was that. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. We've had a record live listening audience on uh, on YouTube this morning, which is really uh, really good. I'm going to try and do a Wonderful. couple of half season reviews uh, with uh, some people, so people have got some stuff to listen to. Over Christmas, uh, we passed through 180,000 downloads just the other day in terms of our total listenership since we started three and a half years ago. That is uh, now, and we'll be back giving our thoughts on the uh, whole game at nine o'clock on Saturday, and then we'll advise what we're going to do vis-a-vis covering uh, or reporting on uh, Watford, uh, Birmingham, and and obviously uh, uh, New Year's Day. Millwall as well. But Neil, who's been sat with me here. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Ian, who's sat there at the bottom of the screen. Thank you, Ian, as always. Mark, as always, everybody, thanks ever so much for listening and uh, enjoy your week. And uh, most people, a lot of people are finishing. You're probably, uh, you, you're, you're not finishing. No, I'm not. I'm not. Christmas holidays start now. So let's all do... Merry Christmas, glad handing for everybody. There we go. Merry Christmas, everybody, from everyone at Forever Bristol City. I'm doing a piece Thanks, of Mr. Holder as well, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I'll be doing that in the week ahead. I was on Sunderland podcast this week as well. So, what uh, the folk? That's a great name, wasn't it? I know what the folk, but uh, no, it's good. It's, it's it's just a good it's just a good crack. There's a great podcast community uh, in this division, in every division. So uh, we enjoy doing it and. Uh, Hopefully you guys all enjoy this. Thanks a lot. All the best to you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. As a king, when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he stops throbbing his old.
sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins out bob bobbing along. When the red red robin comes bob bob bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up. Get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when the red, red robin starts bobbing along. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.